When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi, it's talking real money again. Aren't you excited? Hello again, I'm Don McDonald, and in this episode, I'm joined once again by the beloved Tom Cock. Hello. Standing right over there. It's right there. Yeah. Right there. I'm over here and sitting because I'm lazy. And you're out there, and we're glad you're there. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We want to help you understand money better. That is our goal. We want you to stop messing it up, doing dumb things. Oh, like one of those dumb things, trying to pick stocks. I talked about this a little on yesterday's podcast, how there are all these apps that tell you how you can become a brilliant market Stock picker, stock market picker by, you know, great research. You're going to learn how to do it. Well, here's the problem. Even the experts stink at this. And don't just take our word for it. Take Standard & Poor's. Yeah, their new uh, Dow Jones Indices survey is out from 2020. And for the 11th year in a row, 11th year in a row, actively managed mutual funds. That is exactly what you just said. You've got a manager there who's picking stocks, moving money in and out. They underperformed indexes. 60% of them lagged the benchmark. That And this is a decision every person has to make. I try to tell this to people because they bring their portfolios to us, Don, and they say, here, I'm doing what you guys say. Well, no, because that's an actively managed fund, and that's a high-expense fund with a commission, and that's a sector fund. You have to decide as an investor what you believe. Do you believe there is somebody like Jim Cramer or the gal from ARK or wherever that can see the future well enough to buy the stocks that are going to make more money than just the market? Kathy Wood. Let me give you a little more evidence. Yeah, thank you. Let me give you a little more evidence. Yes. In the please. last 20 years, the last 20 years. Oh, he's fired up. Only 6% of the large U.S. funds that tracks are the large U.S. companies. Only 6% have beaten the S&P 500 for that period of time. 6%. Wait, let's, let's, let's turn that over because it's more fun oh, the other yeah. way. It's more Indeed. fun if you make it negative. 94%. Yeah. Failed to beat the S&P 500 of oh, large of cap business. funds. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, go. they, they come in, they, they, they may do well for a year or two, you throw your money at them, and then they, they go away. So, And then the number they, they shared, by, and by the way, we'll talk about some of the things I think are fascinating about last year, but at the end of 2019, which is the most recent data they had, it was about $4.6 trillion in U.S. stock uh, investments that were index and about 6.6 trillion that were actively managed so there's been a bit of a change towards more people buying into the index approach don well i remember many moons ago when we were just cracking into the 10 percent 
index funds uh, and we thought that was incredible that, that that now it now it shocks me that we still have about 60% of investors inactively managed given what we know and and these facts are fascinating because they're telling us over and over and over again that only a tiny fraction win and then we have these other studies by really really incredible researchers who say that the, yeah, because you could say, oh, I just want those 6% that do better. Well, but the problem is those are more likely due to luck than skill. And let's think about last year for a little bit. If there's ever a year to be an active manager, to be moving money around, to be paying attention to markets, to being saying, here's what the future is going to look like, because a year ago, the future started looking dramatically different. Last year was the year you had tremendous volatility, right? Markets went way down and then way back. You had huge changes in the economy with COVID, right? You had clear winners and losers uh, by about this time last year, right? Uh, Warren Buffett bailed out of airlines. A lot of other people got out of tourism type stocks. People piled into home building, things around your home where you're going to be working more and living more, all those kind of things. And yet, they still didn't beat the index. I find that fascinating. Then you had a few funds, uh, the aforementioned ARC, that I think made close to 200%, way outperformed. And then what's happened? Well, this year they've way underperformed because that's the nature of this, By the way, probably just in time for you to put your money in there. Uh, the nature of this business is even the winners don't win very long, right? And so I always wonder at the end when I read all this stuff, uh, why people want to pay more because that's what you're doing with an actively managed mutual funds and get less in the long haul. It's a fascinating thing to me. And uh, again, Kathy Wood's performance with the ARC fund could be skill, but it probably isn't. Therefore, you cannot expect the luck that she enjoyed to repeat in the future. But none of us like to attribute what we would rather believe is a high level of skill and incredible intelligence. We don't want to attribute that to just dumb luck. But think about this for a minute. You could have someone flip a coin and it come up multiple times heads in a row. I mean, it's been done. I don't know what the record is, but it's rare. But it happens. Again, the thing I think every investor has to decide is... Do I think I can find somebody, I won't even say her name again, I'll say Warren Buffett because I'm more familiar with Warren's work, like that, who's going to be smart enough to pick the right companies. Of course, Buffett's not only picked the companies, he's gotten involved in the management, a whole different set of sort of things that they've done at Berkshire Hathaway. But are you going to find somebody like that that can see the future enough to know only buy the stocks that go up? Or are you going to say, hey, I'll take market returns they've been pretty good for a long period of time i mean the, the 10 percent right that we sort of talk about if you just bought the u.s market going back to 1926 you haven't made 10 percent every year but on average you have and last year by the way the s p 500 made 16 percent pretty good return for most people and so it's something every person has to decide don and i decided Wow, it's coming up, uh, I think, almost in 30 years now that we just said, you know, we'll take the market because we can't find anybody who can see the future and beat the market. That's how I'd put it. 
Okay, I checked. The uh, The actual number of times somebody's flipped heads in a row is um, 14 times, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. And that's like a, a 1 in 130,000 chance or something. Now, here's what we do on this show. We, we like to help you. We like to answer your questions on the phone, on our show, on Saturdays, on Como Radio, on the podcast on the phone at 855-935-TALK, or by you leaving your question at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact. And let's start with this one. I know you're ready for it. Please. Roth excess withdrawal. Don and Tom, just listen to the March 10th podcast with the issue Bob in Linwood, Washington had. You did not mention the term excess withdrawal. We got in the same situation and called Vanguard. The person we spoke to did not understand excess withdrawals, though I uttered those words, and just pulled a distribution from our Roth. Luckily, we realized something was amiss, called back to get a more competent person on the phone who canceled the distribution and did the correct excess withdrawal strategy. I don't know how that's a question, but... Well, what we're talking about here, right, is when you can only put a certain amount in due to your income. Is that what I can't remember? Yeah, where you can't, well, where you put money into a Roth and then you discover that your income is too high for that to be a legal, legal distribution. We got another note from somebody said they, their their brokerage firm easily figured out what the, what the distribution needed to be, including the interest earned that had to be taxed. And, and I believe that's what I had said on the show is go back to the custodian and they'll help you because that they're trained to do that. I'm surprised that Vanguard wouldn't know how to help you, but again, maybe you well, it was person. one person. He got the wrong person, and you yeah. know that can happen. That could happen anywhere. And by the way, that I think on the Roth thing, if you're going to be close, and I think your household income has to be around 190 yeah, or so right or greater there. for you not to be able to make a Roth IRA contribution, I would simply wait. Uh, until tax time. And by the way, as we now know, tax time is later this year. You have until the middle of May to do your returns. Yay! So more time. Yeah, exactly. Because so I, I wasn't going to be done. There's so no I would way. simply... Uh, I would simply wait until that period of time, make the contribution then, rather than mess with it, have to take the money out, figure out, eh, it's a lot of work. Yeah, here's here are the numbers uh, for married filing jointly. For you to contribute, you have to make less than 198000 in 2021, okay. 196000 in 2020, and that's your, that's your uh, MAGI, your modified adjusted yeah. gross income, uh, between 190-something, depending on the year, and 200-and-something, it phases out. Once you get above 206, you can't put any money in our Roth directly. 208 okay. in 2021. Okay, so help? 206. So, yeah, that, that's very helpful. Again, if I was going to be close personally, I would just wait, put the money in later, but that's just me. All right, here's another one uh, on a Wells Fargo DSIP, which, by the way, prior to this note, I'd never heard of. I have a, well- a DRIP. Yeah, I have a Wells Fargo mm-hmm. DSIP, a DSIP. Oh. From a rollover IRA from a previous employer, I'm thinking to do an in-kind brokerage transfer to get rid of the management fees and invest the dividends into the Vanguard VTI. 
What are your thoughts about the DSIP and the overall move? I'm going to explain the DSIP, and then I'm going to let Tom talk about the overall move. The <laughs> okay. DSIP is means for, uh, I think it stands for something about Dumb Silly Investment Program. Ooh, no, it's you. not. It's not. It's Diversified oh. Stock Income Plan from Wells Fargo. And here is an explanation of what it is. They they charge you an advisory fee as a fiduciary advisor to manage this account, and they manage it from these with these with the, this list of stocks. And listen how they describe the list. The DSIP list focuses on companies. There's an imp, important word coming up in this sentence. The DSIP list focuses on companies that we believe will provide consistent annual dividend growth over a long-term investment horizon. What was the interesting word there? Well, I say believe because I try not to get into believe anything when it comes to all of this. That sounds like hope to me, and that's not a good strategy. Yeah, and they're charging you an annual fee for a hope strategy. I'm trying to find the annual fee, and I would guess that it's just the regular fee that Wells Fargo charges, which I can find at advisorinfo.sec.gov. Well, while you're doing that, I will go ahead and say I would. I, I think that's a wise move to move the money out of Wells Fargo because no, no matter what number Don arrives at, it's going to be less to have the money at Vanguard. Um, again, income-producing companies. This—it sounds a little like a dividend, dividend play to me. That's or something. what it is. Yeah, I mean, dividend. like, uh, I'm going to only buy the high. And remember, what happens when you decide to l- limit your portfolio to the big dividend players? It's—it's it's somewhere around 55 to 60 percent of companies that even pay a dividend. So now you've thrown out like 40 percent of the companies you no longer own. We're always going to tell you don't more firms, be more widely diversified, and do it at a lower cost, which Vanguard is going to provide for you, no question. Man, Wells Fargo does make it difficult to find their legal information in their form ADV because they have about 12 different corporate entities, 15 different corporate entities. But I'm looking here at the Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network LLC, and I'm looking at their form ADV Part 2 brochure, which is supposed to break down their fees. And one of the things you'll find with the major brokerage houses is that finding the fees (laughs) is really hard to do. They manage uh, about $50 billion. Um, They... uh, Wow. They finding cho- the fees is like finding what a truthful statement from a politician. I mean, this is this is you got to really dig here to find something that's easy, right? I mean, that, that you can understand, pardon me, that you can see the number. And by the way, if you walked into a Wells Fargo branch, you may get a completely different number because it probably depends on the broker you're going to be working with on which program they're going to use. Yeah, and they'll tell you the typical answer from most of these guys is, ah, we charge about 1%. Um, but the reality is from their from their uh, their ADVs is far different. And this one is about as clear as mud. I honestly, from Wells Fargo Financial Advisors, I cannot, and this is the first time I have ever found one where I can't find it in their ADV. But... The good news is 
I have that information at talkingrealmoney.com, oh, I believe. Oh, that's right, you do. And you did, you did I pull think, all those up at one point. I think I did find it way back when. Maybe that's why they hit it, because I found it before. At, that's at talkingrealmoney.com slash help. And then you just really easily go to, um, we researched financial advisors. And let's see, Wells Fargo, rap fee. Ah, the one I found. You want to guess, Tom? What's their highest I'll say fee? One and, I'll, oh, their highest one and a half. You're wrong. You're low. Oh, okay. You're way oh. low. Two. You're still Go low. On once. Two and a quarter. Yeah, you're <laughs> low. Twice. Two and a half. Two and a time. half. Wow. I mean, that's... And that puts them up at the top. Voya is two and a half. AXA is two and a half. Raymond James is two and a half. And by the way, this is this is one of those caveat emptor situations that that we see regularly. Where, in other words, if you don't know anything about this business and you say, "Well, I got a friend who works at Wells Fargo, I'll call them up; they'll take care of me." They're going to take care of you probably at the two and a half because that's what they can charge, and they make more doing it. If you have a little education about all this and you walk in the door and say, "You know, uh, what I, I've researched this, this, and this," that's where you may get to the oh, well, we'll only charge you. One and a half right, because this less. is a negotiable fee. That is, is so yep. important to know. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, Wells Fargo funds. I, that's really not the same thing. I, I they've really got all kinds of stuff up here. They've got previous brokerage firms, previous investment advisors. They keep changing <laughs> names, and you got to believe that the reason they change corporate names hmm. all the time is for purposes of obfuscation, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you want to make it easier? Wouldn't you want to make it easier than harder? I would. I mean, that's what we did at Vestry. What do we have? Two fees. One and 0.5. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. No, we have 1.5 and 0.3. Oh, we have a 0.3. We have three. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Well, you're really 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 nice to me. I can make it one and a half for you if that's better. (laughs) Oh, no, that's the wrong way. Doggone it. I always get mixed up. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. <laughs> Please keep listening. Thanks for uh, you doing it. And thanks for telling your friends. And by the way, thanks for all those nice reviews in the past couple of weeks. Those are really nice after that one grumpy one. We appreciate, and those are at Apple Podcasts, by the way. That's the place where you can do reviews. I don't know many other places where you can do reviews, but Apple Podcasts, you can. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend. We appreciate it. I'm Don. That's Tom. And we hang out talking real money. Talking real money. That the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.